1: This is the Freddy and Harry Podcast on ESPN Radio. For the first time, Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus are on the same page. Because if they were not on the same page, I know if I'm a head coach, I'd be damned if i have you go out there and put our dirty business out there. Put our dirty laundry out there. Exactly. If we did not have a kind of conversation. So if it took this long, for them to get on the same page, Harry may be going forward. This could be a good thing for everybody involved.
2: There are ways that Luke Getze needs to get better as a play caller. There's a few times when I'm looking on film, and from a spacing standpoint, you see two receivers side-by-side side in one another, so now the window is cloudy for Justin Fields to throw the ball in.
1: Mark Russell, man, we play Listen. flag football. I'm giving Harry Douglas that work. Now we got something. Welcome to the best show on your radio. You know it better as Freddie and Harry. Thank you very much. With the always entertaining Harry Douglas, I'm just really Freddie Coleman. We're presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app. SiriusXM X and Channel 80. Don't forget about us on TuneIn and Tell Your Smart Speaker to play ESPN Radio. Ten minutes away from the Browns finding the elixir they needed to replace Nick Chubb by going back into the past to help their future. That comes your way in about ten minutes. But the New York Jets have lost 14 straight times. Oh, to the New York. England Patriots, not about to go to play the Patriots again, and Zach Wilson, as far as we know, is still their starting quarterback. When it comes to New York, we have not heard any trade wham, news, wham, and wham. completely as they did in the prices, right? Mm, 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 wow, that's how Jets fans have felt ever since that happened. Opening night versus the Buffalo Bills, and to be honest with you, the Jets are lucky that they're one and one and not zero and two, but the team still believes in Zach Wilson. Don't take my word for it. Listen to words of this wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, Jets wide receiver. He was on Bard and Hahn on 98.7 ESPN in New York saying the belief is strong, but... Because of
3: the stuff that they don't see, man, it's being with them every day, the way we practice. You know, there's a lot of things that lead up to Sunday. and, And you want to put a product out there on Sunday, but it takes all 11. You know, that's the thing about football is if you watch that game and go snap to snap, you'll realize that Zach was playing on his toes the whole game because of the things that were going on around him. You know, that's kind of the best way I can put it. We, as a whole, have to improve. And Zach's hard on himself, man. You know, he's turned off all the social media. He's turned off all the outside noise. And, and he knows you know, he's the first one to critique himself. And, and that's what it takes to take the steps that you want to take. And he has that
1: down. Garrett Wilson had to say that because the last thing you need if you're the New York Jets is your quarterback knows exactly how everybody feels. You can feel that way. Don't let him know you feel that way. And don't put it out there you feel that way. Gad Wilson did the right thing by saying, yes, we still believe in Zach Wilson because Harry – They have no choice but to say that about Zach Wilson.
2: No, I agree with you, Freddie. And it's just like Robert Sala. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before talking about, you know, it's on Joe Douglas when it came to (laughs) a quarterback, bringing another guy in. Right. As the head coach, he can't sit up there and say, yeah, yeah, guys, we're looking at other candidates. And, you know, Zach Wilson is a young player still, right? So you don't want the mental – of him when you're trying to go out and beat a New England Patriots football team in which you haven't beaten them forever to be diminished that much more. Mm-hmm. You can you can only imagine his confidence. He didn't have much of it the last year. Aaron Rodgers goes down. You get beat down by the Dallas Cowboys. Right. You don't want his confidence to be shot Absolutely. totally before you go into a game versus the New England Patriots, which is a divisional game and a game I think is very important for the New York Jets. If they still have dreams and aspirations and uh, light at the end of the the tunnel within making the playoffs, Freddie.
1: By the way, we mentioned the Jets have lost 14 in a row to the New England Patriots. Oh, my goodness. Garrett Wilson has had enough of that post-Tom Brady, during Tom Brady, before Tom Brady foolishness? For me
3: personally, I feel like it's going to fuel me throughout my week knowing that it's 14 straight because, you know, it's time that things you know change around around here. I don't like talking about it too much, but <laughs> that's one of the first steps. You know, 14 straight is unacceptable. You know, that's unacceptable. I'm 0-2 against them. That's unacceptable. I walked into a team that we haven't beat the Patriots, and I feel like that's why they brought me here and, and brought me in sauce here and, and the guys here to make things like that change. So it's time that we, you know, do what we get paid for.
0: Harry,
1: no matter what's... <laughs> 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 exactly. Get the music playing as far as that goes, because they've heard the fat lady sing way too many times, not in their favor lately when it comes to New York Jets. But Harry, whether you were on the losing side or the winning side, what is that mentality like for those who don't know when either you've been owned by somebody or, you know, you own somebody and there isn't anything you believe they can do about that?
2: Well, I would say when, when you're on the side of owning somebody, you say to yourself, Oh, this is whatever team it is. This is a stat game. I remember when I went to the Tennessee Titans, right? And I, I, I that at the time, they were losing, and somebody was like, "Hey, man, we got to get up. We playing Jacksonville this week." So I stopped and looked, and I said, "What? You, you gotta, you gotta get up to play Jacksonville?" I said, "We used to in Atlanta. We used to look at Jacksonville as a stat game." As how many stats, how many yards, how many touchdowns. Right. Me, Roddy White, Julio Jones, that, that's what we used to look at Jacksonville as. So when I went to a new team, <laughs> the, the mindset was different. But I also knew, okay, they brought a lot of guys into free agency to change the culture. And the right. culture got changed. Right. Right? We were no longer saying, hey, let's get up for Jacksonville. The year they went to the AFC championship game, mm-hmm. we beat their ass twice that year. And I, I was mad when we lost to New England in right. the playoffs because I wanted to go to Jacksonville because I knew it was going to be a damn ticket punch to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I just knew it was. But we had to get gradually get to that point because where the organization was right. when I had went to Tennessee. And as far as... Be on the other side. You you want to be a guy that says, you know what? I was on the team that stopped that, that 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 win streak for for the New England Patriots. Got it. I was on that Jets. I was within that Jets organization that put a halt to all the nonsense. And then the culture changed, and we went to the playoffs, and we started building, and we got better the following year. You don't want to be on the side of. Yeah, I was part of the Jets the Jets team that never beat the New England Patriots. You don't want to be on that side of it. So you want, you want to change the culture, change the mindset when it comes to playing an opponent that has beaten you over and over and over again.
1: By well, the way, Patriots are two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the New York Jets. That game at 1 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. I will say about this game, especially involving both of the quarterbacks, it's a faith game as far as I'm concerned. If you're the New York Jets, you need Zach Wilson to play better. You need him to find open wide receivers. Have the offensive line block people in the opposite number. Or Zach Wilson's going to have to be traded or just cut by the New York Jets. That's what it feels like. You have to find a way to have faith in him. I believe the pages have faith in Mac Jones. But they've had some slow starts. And then he's had to try to dig them out of those slow starts. They have been bad at winning on first down. If you're going to have your quarterback believe, yep, we got it now. We're just a couple of plays away. If you're the Jets, you're like, man, we got to find some way to make sure that we're not praying like Aretha Franklin for a different quarterback because Zach Wilson's not working right. out. That's why I think it's a faith game involving But it starts with
2: game planning, right? Absolutely. And the game plan that they had last week, that's why I think Nathaniel Hackett, the microscope is going to be on him even more so now that Aaron Rodgers isn't there because, hell, anybody can game plan when you got Aaron Rodgers back there at the quarterback position. Now can you game plan, and, and, and he's been in these situations before because that Jacksonville team that I just mentioned, I just talked about, mm-hmm. I believe it was the 2017 season. Okay, He was the offensive coordinator then, and they had Leonard Fournette and Blake Bortles as their quarterback, so he had to lean on Leonard Fournette in that run game and that defense that Jacksonville had. Same situation here with the New York Jets now that you don't have Aaron Rodgers. you got to lean on Brees Hall. you got to lean on Dalvin Cook. you got to lean on that defense. And you, you I, don't, I hate that I'm about to say this, and you hope Zach Wilson can make a few plays in the pass game. I'll, I'll take one. I don't need <laughs> few. I don't need some. You know I'm black. I don't normally live by the hope theory. Uh, I don't but I, but I you hope he yeah. can make
1: one yeah, throw. Yeah, well, he needs to keep hope alive. <laughs> when it comes to Jack Wilson. And that comes to Nathaniel Hackett because it can't be easy if you're an offensive coordinator. I'm going to go back to what you said about the Jacksonville Jaguars and Blake Bortles. But at least, they, okay, these are things that he can do well. He can yep. do. He can make these kind of out route kind of throws. If he has to run, he can do that. If we get those waggle plays, meaning those half rolls outside the pocket, yep. we know he can do that well to go with the running game. That they force us to throw, we got a guy that can actually do it. And he did it that year, and they got the AFC Championship game, and they scared the Pittsburgh Steelers half to death getting that AFC Championship game. We still don't know what Zach Wills can do well. And I know from Nathaniel Hackett, you got to try to find something, anything, holy water, you know, T-leaves, whatever that is. That's the problem right now with the Jets. At least with the Patriots, they have more faith in Mac Jones because they see what he can do. Hey, if we give this guy time, he can hit tight ends. He can hit wide receivers a little bit more. We got a better offensive system. We got better offense continuity. We are still asking the question of Zach Wilson. What does he do best? What is the one thing, Harry, that you can look at Zach Wilson and say – what does he do best? You can't find it. That pocket is empty. And it can't be easy for Nathaniel Hackett when he knows that guys on the other side know the same thing. Look, if we let Zach Wilson fool around with this, he's going to give it back. He threw three picks on last week on Sunday. When you have to try to find what a guy does best and it's three years to a guy, you took the second pick in the draft, that's a problem for the New York Jets. That's not going away.
2: And Freddie, I will say this. You just mentioned – Uh, the offensive coordinator, I have more faith in Bill O'Brien than I do Nathaniel Hackett. I have more faith right now from what I've seen in two games in Mac Jones than what I've seen from Zach Wilson in two games. That's Mm going to be a major factor in Sunday's game. Right? How the offensive coordinators dial up things and the positions that they're able to put not just their offense in, but their quarterbacks. Because I didn't think Nathaniel Hackett put Zach Wilson in the best positions to be successful I agree. versus the Dallas Cowboys.
1: And to be fair, when you don't know what that is or how that looks, it can't be easy. It's yep. not fair to Zach Wilson, and it's not fair to Garrett Wilson trying to have faith in his quarterback to make sure that they can find a way to not go one and three when realistically – one and two, excuse me, realistically – They could have been 0-3 had things not broken out in favor of Josh Allen throwing those picks for the Buffalo Bills on opening night. Freddie and Harry, Harry Douglas, Freddie coming together on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. So bundle and save at Progressive.com. Nick Chubb is down on the field. This is a rough.
4: Oh, no. Oh, we just saw the replay. Oh, God. He's a great football player, as we know, but he's an even better person, so we will support him every step along
2: the
1: way. Before we get to the Cleveland Browns, going back in the past to make sure that their future doesn't stay cloudy, interesting news from Adam Schefter, the ESPN NFL insider. Now, early this afternoon, there's a lot of back and forth involving Justin Fields, the quarterback, saying that he feels like he's playing as a robot at times. Matt Eberflus, the Bears head coach, said that they've had that conversation. They're hoping to be better forward, that Justin Fields can be the kind of quarterback that they need and that they believe he can be. But according to Adam Schefter, Harry, ESPN NFL insider, I guess we found a fall guy in Chicago. Their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, who resigned this afternoon, he is not going to return to that football team.
2: Well, I mean, number one, I don't blame them. Have you seen the Chicago Bears play defense? They're at the bottom of the total poll in just about every category. So he basically is saying, you know what, let me go ahead and get the hell out of here while I can before the <laughs> ship wrecks. <laughs> let me go ahead and get on out. Poor thing. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's for personal reasons, and I, I, I hope it's not either. for personal reasons. I have no but idea. I mean, when you see the way that defense has played this season and, yeah. you know, non-consistent, the inability to sack the quarterback mm-hmm. and allowing the points that they are, they are allowing – there's nothing great about the Bears' defense. It was yeah. a reason why they were the number had the number one overall pick before they traded it out, and there's a reason why they're trending in that direction right now in 2023.
1: I wonder how much of this was a forced resignation because you mentioned it last hour. Matt Eberflus is a defensive guy. He is, and that team is not playing to what he believes defensive capabilities are supposed to be. So maybe he's probably thinking, I got to put this in my hands. I'm known as a defensive guy. Maybe I need to take take control of this. And that became the fall guy. when it comes to defense to Allen Williams, who, according to reports, Adam of the ESPN NFL insider, resigned this morning after only two games in 2023. You mentioned how lackluster the Bears' defense has looked so far in the first couple of games. Maybe just made Matt Eberflus really trying to circle everything, put more things in his hands, and not just when it comes to his <laughs> quarterback, he, Justin you think, Fields.
2: You think he walked in and looked around, look, look, look around the facility and said, you know what, the hell with this. I'm going <laughs> home to my family. Allen?
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe, just <laughs> maybe. with this. I well, don't have time for this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Browns are trying to make sure that they move on in terms of getting further and further along with Nick Chubb's injury. Knee injury, dashly looked awful, done for 2023. Many people wonder if he's going to play again in the National Football League. Second time he's had this kind of knee injury. This one more severe than the last time. But they go out and re-sign Kareem Hunt, now with this Browns football team. So does this make them a playoff team and still a loaded a f c well Eric Metcalf former Brown's returner was on, on sportsman like three time pole bowler. He says it's not about Kareem Hunt being back; it's about that quarterback that he believes has to be better, and will he get it turned around if he didn't make two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed, no one will really be talking about how he's playing because the team was was looking pretty good other to um, uh, until the other night. I think he will play well they'll they'll figure it out he hasn't he still hasn't played that much football. With, with the Cleveland
3: Browns and and, and Stefanski's system, so I'm, I'm looking forward to what they're going to do,
1: especially with with Nick being gone now. And and I, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be okay. It just it just a matter it's a matter of time. We'll see. <laughs> Seriously, I still wonder. I know Deshaun Watson has it in him, but are we going to see it?
2: And and that's the bad thing though, because that 230 million dollars clouds a lot of things when it comes to Deshaun Watson. I know for a fact that when you're away from the game of football for that long it's going to take some time even though he had 6 games last year though Freddie, and even though he had an an, an entire offseason this year to try to get uh more acclimated to things and get back to w- the way he was playing in 2020 but it just don't it just doesn't work like that that's a long and an extensive period of time that you're away from the game of football so for a lot of people who and and I and I get it When you have a guaranteed contract, which is the first in the National Football League, the only one in the National Football League, that's $230 million, they don't care about that. (laughs) They don't want to hear about how long it may take someone to get back to being the 2020 quarterback. They feel like you're compensated that way, so it needs to hurry up and get back here.
1: Yeah, To me, the Browns can't be a playoff team, and it can't just be about Deshaun Watson, no matter what Kareem Hunt is going to give them. They're still going to play really, really good defense. It has to be a combination of how much belief do they have that they can get this done. And I still wonder about that with this football team. Kevin Stefanski says all the right things until I actually see it. I want to be convinced. I know from a Browns fan, I look at the talent that we have. I believe it's there. Definitely in a division that's come back to them a little bit outside of the Baltimore Ravens. But until I actually see that from the Cleveland Browns, you have to wonder if Deshaun Watson is enough. Is Kareem Hunt rejoining this team? Is that going to be enough? Is that going to be the kind of team that you thought you saw after week one, what they beat to the Bengals, what they did to the Bengals, and you may not see that after week two when they let that one get away against the Pittsburgh Steelers?
2: Now, I still feel like they have the personnel to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, playing up to their capabilities. Right. And that's all going to start with Deshaun Watson. Everything is going to start with him. Yeah. You don't have the luxury now of saying, you know what? we can just get this off to Nick Chubb and let him take us to the promised land. Right, That luxury is now gone. Now, Kareem Hunt is a guy that was there with them for four, the last four years, and he's had success within this system, and the learning curve is not going to be there, so he's going to be able to jump right in. Now, him being paired up with Jerome Ford, not like him as a running back, are those two guys combined together going to right. be able to hold it down for that run game that's number one in the National Football League today? Uh, That's that's to be determined. But their next three games versus the Tennessee Titans, the Baltimore Ravens, and the San Francisco 49ers, Mm -hmm. those three teams Mm -hmm. are top six and stopping the run. So I want to see how it's going to look.
1: Yeah, so we're not going to overreact until we see Kareem Hunt on the football for what he can do for the Cleveland Browns. But we always have each and every week in ESPN.com NFL Insider, Dan Graziano, has a fantastic piece called Overreaction or Not an Overreaction. So we bring in Shannon Penn, our producer here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. He throws the scenarios at us and we'll let you know if it's an overreaction or not an overreaction. Mr. Penn, what you got? All right, Harry, first up, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going
5: to miss the playoffs for the first time since the QB's rookie year. Overreaction or not
2: overreaction? overreaction. I I can't believe that until I actually see it because Joe Burrow and what he's been able to do the last few years with this football team allow me to be in that space.
1: I'm going to say that's not an overreaction because each and every year there's always that team you think is going to be something and then they wind up spitting the bit especially when that Bengals offensive line is still a troubled offensive line and Joe, ankle, Joe Burrow's calf has become a troubled calf. So, yeah, I don't think that's an overreaction, even though for the fourth out of five years they started a season 0-2, but at least they made the playoffs last year when they started like that.
5: All right, Freddie, the Chicago Bears will regret trading away the number one pick from this year's draft. Overreaction or not an overreaction?
1: Based on the first two games of the day, yeah, that's not an overreaction. <laughs> if they had to do it all over again – they would have kept that number one pick because there are a couple of people out there that they could have used, whether a quarterback or somebody else. So I don't think that's an overreaction at all. They're going to regret trading away the number one pick in this year's draft.
2: I'm going to go overreaction because they're probably going to have two top five picks in the 2024 <laughs> NFL draft <laughs> and a loaded quarterback draft, that is. And wow. you have an opportunity to get a, a stellar offense alignment or a receiver. So I'm going to go with not an overreaction. Okay. No, overreaction. Sorry. Yes.
1: I knew what you meant. I was there for you. There we go.
2: <laughs> All right, Harry, next one. Uh, Baker Mayfield's
5: Buccaneers are legitimate contenders in the NFC. Overreaction or not an overreaction?
2: That's an overreaction. I need to see a larger sample, sample size. I need to see how consistent Baker Mayfield is going to be. I need to see how this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, uh, can they stay healthy within this year as well. They've been hit by a lot of injuries the last few years. So all those things I want to see before I can just say that about the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, what Harry said, I completely agree. And not for nothing, I've seen this before from Baker Mayfield, where he looks good for two or three weeks and all of a sudden things happen and then that goes the other way. So I'm with you. That is a complete overreaction that they're legit in the NFC. All
5: right, Freddie, next up, the Denver Broncos will move on from Russell Wilson and have a different starting quarterback in 2024. Overreaction or not an overreaction?
1: I'm going to say that's an overreaction. I think Sean Payton is going to realize that your plan B can't be Jared Stidham, no matter what Russell Wilson is looking like. Now, if he falls off, falls off, falls off, that's one thing. And I look back at last week, Harry, he could have folded. He didn't. 18-32, over three hundred yards, and he was a terrible non-Pi call. I'm sure Sean Payne's probably thinking again, another non-passing the friends call mm-hmm. affecting my football team. I thought I was done with that foolishness. The New Orleans Saints NFC Championship game, he was a bad penalty not being called to maybe tie that ball game. So I'm going to say, yeah, that's an overreaction that they'll have a different starting quarterback in 2024.
2: I'm going to go not an, not an overreaction, and I think it's based off of where are the Denver Broncos when the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, when it comes around, what pick do they have? I think that will decide a lot of things. All
5: right. And last and certainly not least, Harry, the Miami dolphins will win the AFC East
2: overreaction or not an overreaction. This is not an overreaction. The Miami dolphins right now is the best team in the AFC conference as a whole. Okay. What they've been able to do. And then that run game on Sunday night football being showcased against the new England Patriots. Also that defense starting to get comfortable in Vic Vangio's defensive system. This is not an overreaction at all.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. If anything, Miami, I think the defense is going to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. The offense will continue to be scary. Uh, yeah, that team's legit and not just any AFC East. They're definitely legit to maybe win the whole Shabangabang. bang Are they to the Missouri. best team in the
5: conference? Are they the best team right yeah. now? Dolphins right now so. the best team, yeah. What about the NFL?
1: I have no, third. I got third.
2: I got Sam Frank. I got them third, too.
1: Yeah, I got Sam Frank, Cowboys, one and two. I got the Dolphins, three. That's where I have them.
2: I'm sweating in here. Underneath my, I'm all wet underneath my shirt.
1: Thanks for sharing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going to come back to haunt you now. Tank top soaking wet underneath. Well, we'll put it this way. We got Harry Douglas sweating down in New York. Is he sweating more than Alabama in their playoff hopes Woo-hoo. this October? That could be a 50-50 split. We'll get to the bottom of that next on Freddie and Harry. And this is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Appreciate you joining us on Freddie and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Appreciate that on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, X and Channel 80. Don't forget about us and tune in and always tell that smart speaker yours to play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're calling this Separation Saturday. So many top flight matchups involving top 25 teams. Colorado versus Oregon. Number 19 versus number 16. UCLA versus Utah. Number 22 versus number 11. Ole Miss versus Alabama, number 15 versus number 13. You have Arkansas at LSU, LSU number 12 in the country. Oregon State, number 14 versus Washington State, number 21. Number three, Texas versus Baylor. Number six, Ohio State versus number nine, Notre Dame. Number 24, Iowa versus number seven, Penn State. All those matchups involving separation Saturday. So we need Heather Dennich that brings some sanity, what could be a very, very crazy and zany Saturday. Hit her on Twitter at CFB Heather. Heather, before we get to those games, here we are week 3 into the season. Which teams have surprised you so much to start of the season either good or bad so far?
6: Well, for the good side of it, it has to be Colorado. I mean, who who besides Deion Sanders and everyone in that locker room thought that A they would go to TCU and win that season opener and B be undefeated? heading into this Oregon game in a game that will feature two quarterbacks worthy of Heisman Trophy conversation in terms of Shadir Sanders and Bo Nix. So that has to be the biggest surprise, I think, for better. For worse, Alabama. Man, mm. listen, I thought if Alabama could figure out its quarterback situation, everything else would fall into place. And when I look at them right now, they look like last year's team – without Bryce Young to cover up
2: those mistakes. Wow. So I'm going to stay with Alabama. Uh, They're struggling at the quarterback position right now. Is it time to panic for Alabama? They have Ole Miss this weekend. They go to Mississippi State, and then they're at Texas A&M. Is this weekend an opportunity they can have their second loss on their schedule?
6: Absolutely. And I like Ole Miss in this game because, you know what, Sneaky Hembo told me this morning before get-up, he told me that no other team in the country has quarterbacks who have taken more sacks than Alabama. And they have had in the power five, right? And they've had more sacks than they've had downfield passes over 20 yards. Wow. Well, That's a problem.
1: So why are they struggling with the quarterback when it comes to Alabama? And,
6: and deserve it. Yeah, deservedly so, but the offensive line is an issue. The receivers not creating separation is an issue. You know, the the running game, being inconsistent is an issue. So there are a lot more problems, and I think Lane Kiffin and that that defense, which has been progressively better, might give them some fits.
1: Heather Dennis, college football reporter here on Twitter at CFB. Heather joining Freddie Coleman and Harry Douglas on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. I never want to use the word panic, but I look at two coaches who have dominated college football in terms of the teams and the headlines. We know about Nick Saban, what he's done in Alabama, and also Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Can it, it, it's possible that both of these two programs could be out of a national championship race by September. Heather, why do I get the sense, if that's going to be the case, if that happens, that it could be maybe the beginning of a no-more dynasty involving Alabama and Clemson, at least for the near future?
6: Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, those are two programs that have pretty much owned the top four of Scott through the past decade of the college football playoff. But I'm not throwing in the towel completely on Clemson yet. But if Florida State plays in Death Valley the way it played against Boston College with so many mistakes, then they could be in trouble. And I think, you know, Cade Klubnik deserves a little bit of a margin for error and a mm-hmm. bit of a learning curve right. with a new offensive coordinator. So let's you know, he's he's gotten better, but they're they're in a learning phase. So let's see what they do at home. I'm not convinced that Clemson is gonna be out of this thing yet, but if Florida State loses, I still think they have top four potential because they could finish as a one-loss ACC champ.
2: So, Heather, there's a big game in South Bend, Indiana this weekend. Number six, Ohio State, is going to number nine, Notre Dame. Who are they? (laughs) (laughs) they? When, When you look at those two teams, who do you think needs this win the most?
6: I think from a college football playoff perspective, Notre Dame needs it the most. Because the people in the selection committee meeting room, they hold teams that don't play in a conference championship game to a higher standard. Hmm. And obviously, as an independent, Notre Dame doesn't have that chance. Marcus Freeman knows this. Everybody in Notre Dame knows this. They know that if they lose a game, they've got to run the table in order to have a chance and probably get some help. Because if they lose this game... And they're measured at the end of the season, even with just one loss against the power five conference champions, there is no guarantee that they're in this thing and they could lose that tiebreaker and the head to head with Ohio state. If Ohio state is in the mix also comes to play in the selection committee meeting room and they would be behind the Buckeyes in that regard. So i go with Notre Dame to answer that question, but if Ohio State loses, mm. they are in big trouble because they have got to beat Michigan, and they haven't done it in two years.
1: Heather Dennis, ESPN College Football Reporter, here on Twitter at CFB. Heather joining Freddie Coleman and Harry Douglas on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. We go back to Colorado in that conversation. Heather, I said it yesterday. If it wasn't for Dion Sanders and what he's been able to do in the first three weeks of football with Colorado on and off the field... It could have been maybe a lackluster start, no matter how much we love college football. How right or wrong am I?
6: Deion Sanders has changed everything. It's him. He's he's the main character in this show, and we are all watching it to see what he says and what he does next. Everybody else is a supporting cast, but this is Hollywood. This is Hollywood and college football, and we are all tuning in, and it's so much fun, but I guarantee you, that there's not another coach out there who could have flipped the roster like he did in the first year and did what he did. He did that because of who he is, and he's certainly a unique individual. Now, is it going to last? I don't know. I think they lose the next two games. I think there's a reality check, and he adds my comments to the list of his receipts. But I think that it doesn't even matter because they have already won.
2: Now, Heather, I want to ask you about the Pac-12 in the last year that – It's uh, assembled the way, in the manner that it actually is. When you look at the top 25, you have eight teams that's ranked. When you Mm -hmm. look in the top 11, you have four teams. I also feel like, from a fireworks uh, perspective, it has provided offensive play at a high level and has made college football excited. Before the season started, did you think we would be sitting up here talking about the high-powered offenses uh, from the Pac-12 more so than anything else?
6: More so than anything else, but I think if you're paying a college paying attention to college football in the weeds like we are year-round. You knew this was coming because Michael Penix Jr. at Washington was fabulous last year. He's going to be fabulous this year. Kalen DeBoer is doing a terrific job. Bo Nix is amazing at Oregon, what he has done. And then, of course, you've got Caleb Williams. How is he third on the list that I'm I'm talking about here? He's trying to win the Heisman Trophy again, and he's good enough to do it. But then you've got Jadour Sanders who enters the conversation. And you know, Cam Rising at Utah is great, but he was injured those first couple games so given the star power at quarterback it doesn't surprise me in the least that the Pac-12 has
1: been this entertaining. UCLA, Washington State, Colorado, Oregon State, Utah, Oregon, Washington, USC all in the top 25 in a conference that will cease to exist once 2023 is said and done when it comes to to the Pac-12, Heather, you're one of our favorites. Keep up the great work as always, and safe travels. And we'll talk to you soon.
6: All right, guys, thanks.
1: Heather Dennis, ESPN college football reporter, joining us here on Freddie and Harry. Hit her on Twitter at CFB Heather. I want to go back to something you said about when it comes to the Pac-12 and being surprised by this. Can you imagine what's going through the mind of those offices right now, where you're thinking, "Okay, we're trying to keep this conference together." We won't be able to. The only two teams that are going to be left standing are Oregon State and Washington State, and you're hoping that there can be a new Pac-12, and yet you're seeing all this success, and nobody's talking about that. They're talking about the individual teams not so much representing the Pac-12 conference with eight teams in the top 25.
2: Well, it's sad that this conference is is going to be dismantled after this season. And you look at a team like Washington State and Cameron Ward, their quarterback, and the numbers that he has been able to put up, he's six right now in college football from a passing standpoint. You look at Oregon State and DJ Uwangalele, but Oregon State, from an offensive standpoint, having like a top five offensive line in college football, and also a phenomenal running back in Martinez, and you look down the rest of the Pac-12 and you just see quarterbacks galore right. and those guys are going to be on NFL rosters if it's not this year it's going to be the following year uh, being high draft picks so it's sad for me to see Amen. because I knew coming into the season that the Pac-12 had the best quarterbacks and were going to have those fireworks from an offensive standpoint but like Heather said if you don't follow college football to a tee like that you're probably surprised right now.
1: Yeah, in the Pac-12, I mean, Pac-12 the dark, but even Pac-12 in the middle of the day has been great football so far in the first three weeks of the college football season. The forget College Football Action this Saturday has Nematov LSU. They will host Arkansas down in the bayou. Coverage begins at 6.30 Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's been some day when it comes to Chicago, the city, and their football team, the Bears. Their quarterback put it out there about playing robotic and being too robotic, and that's not even the big news of the day involving the Bears. Keep it here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio.
5: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
1: He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Appreciate you joining us on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN app, X New Channel 80. Also, don't forget about us on TuneIn and Tell Your Smart Speaker to play ESPN Radio. You're 15 minutes away from hearing what Justin Fields had to say about the lack of success so far with the Bears and his quarterback play. I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. Uh, I felt like I was kind of robotic and, you know, not just... Not, not, not playing like myself, so um, um, my goal this week is just to say effort and just go out there and, you know, play football how I know how to play football. That's 15 minutes away, how he finished the rest of that, why and the Bears' reaction to when it comes to coaching staff, 15 minutes away here on Freddie and Harry, and that's not even the top news of the day regarding the Chicago Bears. Allen Williams resigned as defensive coordinator of Chicago Bears in a statement from him on his resignation that happened this morning, effective immediately, and I quote, I'm taking a step back to take care of my health, and family. I appreciate the opportunity to work with the Chicago Bears, a storied NFL franchise with a rich history. The McCaskey family is first class and second to none. I would also like to thank Coach Matt Eberflus and General Manager Ryan Poles for giving me the opportunity to come to Chicago. I would also like to thank President Kevin Warren, the coaches and players of which I value the relationships and camaraderie. I value the NFL shield and all that it stands for. After taking some time to address my health, I plan to come back and coach again, end quote. Now, there are plenty of rumors out there. We're not going to mention those rumors because we don't know anything until everything comes in. But according to Courtney Cronin, on her social media handle at Courtney R. Cronin, ESPN Bears reporter, she said a team spokesman addressed the rumors regarding Hallis Hall being rated today as false. They were also told that the police have not been to Hallis Hall in connection to Allen Williams, now the former defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears.
2: Just a lot, man. So much going on in Chicago, and I will say this, Freddie. <clears throat> there's a reason why this organization hasn't had an opportunity to be where they where they wanted to be. There's so much other stuff going on within this football team that's not winning football. You right. know what I mean? So, absolutely. Like when you have distractions coming from left field and all kind of other places. It is hard to focus on the task at hand, and I understand these guys are professionals and that's what they're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. but when you have to worry about so much more than football, than the actual game on the football field, it can lead to dysfunction, and that's what we've seen from this organization the last few years. Such a rich, storied organization,
1: though. Yeah, it's one of the originals when it comes to the original teams that got the NFL started back in the 1920s when they were the Decatur Staley's. That got everything started. They, that original team, like there's an original six of hockey, they're one of the originals when it comes to the National Football League. But we always hear you got to do a great job to keep your house in order no matter what goes on. But you can't plan for things like this, whatever this is with Alan Williams and his resignation, taking a step back to focus on his health and his family. You can't plan for things like that. But how do you avoid those things, Harry? You've been part of NFL franchises. You've yeah. been around NFL franchises. It's easy to say you got to do the best job you can to keep your affairs in order. But more than ever before, that becomes increasingly more difficult and not just when it comes to players on NFL teams.
2: No, it is, Freddie, because you have, number one, people pulling at you from all directions, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player. There's people asking for A, B, C, or D. There's temptation. Uh, And and, and I'm going to talk about this in in a bigger light. You, you have players who might be in a relationship or coaches who may be in a relationship and then outside people, you know, trying to distract them from the task at hand of them coaching or playing, but also their relationships that they may have at home. So right. there's so much players and coaches have to deal with, and there's so much temptation as well that goes on. But when you remain grounded, when you understand uh, – what you doing? What you're doing? Why you're doing it? And the mm-hmm. opportunity that you had that not everyone gets to have every single day, then you have to remain grounded, and you also do your best and at staying grounded. Right. Not not everybody's gonna you know be able to be that way, mm-hmm. but for the most part, when you love what you do and you understand, you know, the slightest thing co- you could risk it all. You don't make certain decisions in your life, especially when you get to a point to where you're older and you have, you've had an opportunity to grow in certain cases or certain, I would say, instances in your life.
1: Right. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, especially in these times that we all live in. It doesn't matter what you're doing or what you're trying to accomplish, what kind of hills you're trying to climb, whatever cliche you want to use. Anything that's left of right, or in terms of not being or being on the wrong side, people are not going to have that kind of tolerance anymore. You can have the most talented people in your organization, but if something is going to bring a bad mark, a stain your organization more than ever before, companies are going to say you have to get out of here. Well, you got to
2: protect the shield. It's about
1: protecting the shield. Yeah, but also for, about yeah, protecting for, your reputation. Like the yeah. team yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: as the Bears as as an organization, yep. the National Football League. When it comes to their shield, And one thing I can tell you about them. I'm up in New York right now, and the office is not too far from me. Mm-hmm. They're not—they're not, they're not going to let anything compromise
1: that shield. Never, absolutely never. Not
2: their bottom line. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. Their bottom—it's not happening. Is, their bottom line is money and power, and a big part of that is having that shield in the National Football League. So if you're really—if you think you can outlast them, that organization, because oh, I'm talented enough, I can get past that. We have seen that happen. They have gotten rid of people that are going to bring a black mark to that shield. The NFL will fool around a lot of things that gets up, that gets fans upset. They don't fool around with that. Now it comes to their money. Now it comes to their power. Now it comes to their name and their brand. No,
2: no way. I I agree with you one thousand percent. But man, hopefully, you know the majority can get to a point to where they can just focus, man. Just right. focus. That's that's the thing. Focus and decision making. Uh, making the wrong decisions could lead to bad things in your
1: life. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, like we mentioned, Alan Williams resigning as Bears defensive coordinator, taking a step back to take care of his health and his family, but he plans to come back and coach again. With Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry, we stayed with the Chicago Bears. And Justin Fields said he felt like he played like a robot last week. Waiting to hear the reaction to that next. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio.